0: Good evening and welcome to 6-1. Tales from the East End. It's episode 44 and we're going to discuss Derry and Cork. We've got St. Pat's and Limerick on the agenda as well. We've got Graham Bourke interviewed with the Prof. Had Graham got a hold of him with Sean O'Connor and Conor Fitzpatrick our uh, programme correspondence, yes. and Andrew Cuneen. So uh, as usual to me, Gary P and the Prof. Carl Oiley is with me. Howdy. So we're going to talk a lot. About uh, We have a lot to get through this week But uh, first of all we're going to talk about our sponsors of course Peach Tree East And uh, we're going to roll out a little ad That they have here Ladies and gents It's date night at Peach Tree East Every Friday from half five You want to treat that somebody special in your life? Yeah Three course meal with a bottle of wine for 70 euro? Mary loves wine Well get on down to Peach Tree East A little taste of heaven in tell. Please note, food or drinks do not actually taste like heaven. So we're back. And we're finally back in Johnny Blues, girl Finally back in Johnny Blues after a little stint in Prof's Lair. Two-week hiatus. Two-week hiatus. And uh, in fairness, i definitely go back to the Prof's Lair. Because yeah. uh, there was cans involved, there was bottles and there was trips to the pub as well. So i definitely go for that again. But we want to talk about our 6-1 win on Friday against Derry. And the jinx is over, Prof. We've finally beaten the Kenny Shields team. It's very
1: much over. The stats going into that were scary, weren't they? Like he'd he'd won ten out of eleven games in Dublin. Was that there,
0: one that one terrified me. Yeah.
1: We were seven games without a win against him. No, Had, hadn't they, beaten him since June twenty fifteen.
0: June twenty fifteen. What was the result then? That
1: was four one. So four one. Beat them four one.
0: Couldn't beat them for seven games and then beat them six one. And then Lashed in six goals So we have uh, Ronald Finn He came in as captain Ahead of Davey McAllister So um, The team were led out By a colour party From the 7th Battalion Based at the Barracks In Rat Mine, So that was pretty cool uh, No Chris Turner For Derry He was injured No Chris Turner Yeah I actually listened to uh, League of Royal Weekly Last night And Shields was talking About uh, his lack of senior players in the squad at the moment and he said he's missing at least seven senior players I think he, was, he spoke about Chris Turner and he spoke about a lot of other senior players I think Rory Patterson maybe came into it came into it somewhere but he uh, we we, quite, we probably got a weak Derry team in fairness because they are missing mm. a lot of players they certainly didn't look themselves no on the night but uh, we had a, there was a couple of early chances I missed this one Prof I was abroad I cut the goals but uh, we'll let you lead the way on the early chances and our general play
1: well our best chance in the first half before the goal was uh, Brandon Melee. Beautiful pass by Sean Cabana Just
0: split the defence open, but Melee dragged it wide. Was it now I saw this chance, was it as wide in in real life as it was on television? It looked like on the T V kind of made it look like it skint the post, did it was it further wide than I think than, it was a bit further wide, bit further than, further than, wide you, yeah.
1: than you might perceive there, but yeah. I just declare my love for Sean Cabana. <laughs> yeah. Gandalf. It's just only a few games now, but I just love everything he does. I love the way he hassles opposition for the ball. He often wins the ball back. Knows what to do with it, where to pass it.
0: He's one of these players just that I reckon can play anywhere. Literally in the hall, the left wing, the right wing. He actually yeah. has played. I think he he slotted in at centre midfield against yeah. Cork. Is so he, technically so good he can play anywhere?
1: It's not even a robber's game anymore if he doesn't play in three positions in the <laughs> ninety minutes. We could, uh, stick him in goal, maybe.
2: Oh.
0: <laughs> touchy touchy subject
1: I think the best compliment I can give him is he looks like a league winning player he looks like whoever's going to win the league will have Sean Cabinet in it
0: with with maybe double double figures in either assists or goals
1: yeah as for Derry chances they actually had a few they were quite dangerous in the opening periods Horgan was nearly lobbed from the halfway line was Uh, he
0: rounded in the fourth half as well
1: yeah he was Grace had to clear that one off the line it was a last ditch clearance the look
0: that Grace gave
1: him straight after that, you yeah. if looks could kill, well. Wow. And they had a free header from I think it was from a corner, so Derry could have been one or two up at one stage in the game that last six one. So, but then uh, thankfully Burke did give us the lead.
0: So uh, we we broke the deadlock with uh, I loved this goal everything about yeah. it the the fin dink one of your favourite passes prof that is the
1: sexiest chip pass. <laughs> I've seen in quite a while. How
0: about that finish? How unexpected was it? It was completely unexpected. I thought he would have slotted it home, maybe bottom corner, yeah. but he buried it in the but top corner. He admitted afterwards that he was going low. <laughs> yeah, at least he's honest. was he going high, yeah.
1: But just just bamboozled the defence. There he thought he was going to shoot. And next
0: thing, the ball is behind the defence and Burks in. Super touch as well, trapped it, yeah. set him up nicely to just stroke it into the top corner. Buried it in the top corner, yeah, actually. And uh, then we had Gandalf Kavanagh waving that magical wand. I'd say this one annoyed Derry, since he was Definitely. training with them for quite a while. Great move again. I think it was a bit of a, bit of a gift, was it? Sam Bowen's... Um- yeah, Sam Bowen was pressuring them.
1: Uh, nicked it off the player. Lovely pass through for Kavanagh. Took a touch, finished in the bottom corner with his left foot. It happened really quickly. Like it, was, it was a proper counter-attack. Just from putting them under pressure, they were trying to play out from the back. Couple A couple of our goals actually came that way. From them trying to play out the back. And we hassled them. And that was, so that
0: was the pass master, Mr. Bone.
1: Uh, I think a lot of people's the man of the match, actually. Sam Bone. He was everywhere in the
0: night. He uh, he has a serious range of passing.
1: Yeah. I think you love the assist before the assist, don't you, get The Gair? assist before the assist. If you watch back to six goals in Soccer Republic, you'll notice he's involved in practically all of them. He's instrumental. Pulling all those
0: strings. And... Um, which is, a,
1: which is a great selection headache now for for I mean,
0: it was so left field wasn't yeah. it Bone's inclusion even if Bolger had been fit
1: for Cork it was actually a bit of a decision to make there wasn't it
0: oh 100% and, and bon, we'll move on to Bone. we'll talk about Cork in a, in a, in a couple of minutes but he, he's definitely made a st- stake to claim for his, his spot in the
1: team so and if you notice in the highlights just before the third goal there was a great move another lovely pass from Bond. Uh, Kerr controlled it really well slotted Burke in but he shot straight at the keeper so that that would have been a great goal too But
0: so we moved on to the we had two goals in quick succession there with Finner and um, making the 3-0 it seemed like a bit of a howler from your favourite keeper
1: yeah he, looks like he should have said it when I watched the replay from behind there actually was a fair bit of power on the shot yeah but I don't know he seemed to go down awkwardly or something it's Two years in a row now He's been in uh, The team of the year Jared you Doherty rate, You don't
0: rate him at all Do you? I really <laughs> don't I'm
1: always baffled When that's selected
0: That screenshot Just show that screenshot To anybody Yeah Of his angles I can't remember Who it was against I think it was, think the it was against
1: UCD Yeah He just left Three quarters of the goal Gaping open I see him was Some sort of tactic He just said Right Right put it in the corner So, <laughs> and so they then did. he did <laughs> That's great Yeah uh, Bob, This was a great goal uh, it was Finn to carry With an outrageous flick Over the defence And then Brando With a back heel So two pieces of skill Back to Finn Outside the box And Finn ended up being a Kind of a sliding shot He kind of fell As he shot and As you say Kind of went under Doherty
0: mm. So that made it 3-0 And then we'll go on To Bork for 4
1: So as I said Another goal where Derry tried to play out From the back And we punished him uh, Doherty passed Straight to Mele Goalkeeper of the year Jared Doherty passes <laughs> straight to Mealy A few assists uh, in this game. <laughs> and uh, so Melee found Burke and uh, Burke slotted right in the Burke corner. Burke
0: is uh, coming for Brando's crown as best finisher in the squad. And then for 1, they clawed a goal back. I think it was Hale who got it, wasn't it? Ronan Hale, One yeah. One of the Hale brothers currently uh, on the squad at Derry. He ends up getting a hat trick against Limerick. Yeah, he's looking good. And, actually uh, was a quite a good, n- n- uh, nice finish
1: it was a lovely true ball from Patterson in fairness clean sheet would have been nice but it was a good move never seen a player so happy to score at 4-1 down there yeah, was, there and was he fist pumping and grabbed and
0: everything. the ball thought, like yeah we're going to score 4 now
1: but the highlights you missed the the highlights cut it off there was actually a bit few, bit more uh, fist pumping afterwards but
0: the camera cut away they certainly do like to celebrate yeah. in front of us do you remember that yeah. from last season I think uh, Pat Tutty was he, he's trying to steal your fame. He was on. Uh, he his tweet was on Soccer Republic. Oh yeah. And he was mentioned about uh, the dirty players aren't celebrating in front of the crowd this time. Yeah. So Borkey went on to make a five and uh, get his hat trick. And this one was pretty much what literally walked in. Yeah.
1: It was walked in, and um, yeah, it was a nice ball in behind the defence by Brando, and trail players across. Had come on commands the sub at this edge. Miss Shazi,
0: as you say just walked it in, in the net to play his hat trick but he wasn't done yet no he certainly wasn't and uh, Daddy Cool himself great workout on the left hand side and uh, fantastic pass yeah, measured go- measured to a tee it was a bit like
1: this, the Sean Boyd one a couple of weeks back just made the goal himself Yeah, completely. fantastic
0: pass and yeah. it's good to see Shazzy being productive coming off the bench and once again Borky is gunning for Brando as the best finisher in the squad great finish and yeah.
1: 6-1 perfect weight in the ball that pass yeah. Brazier wasn't happy with uh, Berkey though he said he wanted him to stand in the middle to save his energy the next thing he makes this 40 yard run to try and get his, uh, his fourth goal and make history because first player to do it since 1992
0: good old Gago first place to do it since Gago and uh, Prof that was uh, making the rounds Con and uh, Finner were talking about that beautiful
1: stat on uh, Greatest League in the World yeah did the rounds already. it was a great picture of Davey Mack Handing Berkey the match ball. Brilliant, saw that. Berkey was sitting down. It was just a perfect picture. You could see Burke's name and number clearly. It was just a great shot.
0: Yeah, so the fans were surprised at this one, Prof.
1: Yeah, I've never seen our own fans so genuinely taken aback by a scoreline. Because as we mentioned, from Derry being a serious turn on their side, absolutely hammering them. No, like even Brazzer was asked in the 1899 bar afterwards did you did you see this coming and he was like no
0: no I mean 12 goals in yeah. 2 home games hopefully yeah. Tala is finally becoming a fortress
1: yeah he's happy with our ruthless streak he says yeah Brazzer.
0: definitely it's it's what you gotta be you gotta be ruthless
1: so I had that stat about uh, gig in 1992 but when I went upstairs that's not what people were asking me everyone kept asking me when was the last time we scored 6 goals in successive games that's all anyone wanted to oh, know not no.
0: even a tough one is it did it ever happen
1: Oh, it's happened lots of times, yeah. Oh, like in the times. 50s and 60s, we used to win games 5, 6, 7 0 constantly. So it was more common. So last time was
0: 1979. So 1979 was the last time we got
1: six goals in a row? Yeah. In these two, against Bray and Derry, both of them were only 1 0 up at half time through Burke.
0: So both games, we were only 1 0 up at half time. So in the second half, we scored, in two second halves, we scored 10 goals.
1: Yeah. It was a joint League of Iron record defeat for Derry and it was our best win over them ever
0: our best win ever over Derry City so um, we're going to move on to Graham Bourke and what he had to say after the game and you'll hear a bit from his appearance on the Off Ball League of Ireland podcast at the end as well and about that stat that came from so here's Graeme Bourke
1: Graeme emphatic win over Derry tonight how happy are you with
2: that? Oh it's a massive massive win for us we know last year we played Derry three times last year and they bet us three times, and we, uh, we knew coming into this game that we owed them one, And what a way to uh, go out there and put in that performance and score uh, six goals.
1: As you say, there had been a serious turn on their side the last few seasons. So what do you think was the difference?
2: Yeah, I think in, like the first 20 minutes they had more position, they had the better chances in the game. But when we got our foothold into the game, we got the first goal it kind of calmed us down and coming in in that second half we knew that there was there was more in us but we knew they were dangerous and uh, we went out and uh, played uh, a great half uh, getting on all five goals
1: That's 12 goals in two games now we seem to be firing in all the cylinders at the moment
2: Well yeah against going into bowls like it's a it's a completely different game and it's played completely different the way we've been playing the last uh two games then coming up against some dog we didn't really we didn't really care, create much. We didn't get many chances to say like Brando hits an unbelievable shot, comes off the post, that maybe starts something else, but we knew going into Bray that we needed there to, to create things and get goals and make things happen and the last two games we scored twelve goals which is like brilliant.
1: The score a hat trick is rare enough for a Roberts player to score four or something else. No one's done it here. Since uh, Stephen Gagan 26 years ago, must be a proud moment for you.
2: Oh, I, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, well, to uh, score four goals in any game, it's, uh, you, feel, you feel great after doing that, you know, but today is all about the performance and the three points means more than four, scoring four.
1: Talk like us what's true with some of your goals.
2: Yeah, well, the first fourth, fourth one, it's a great ball from Ronan, and I knew once uh, I took, took my touch, I was in front of goal, so I just cried there. Uh, tried to keep it down but I actually went high, and uh, I went in the second one um, it's great ball from Brando I'm just, like, I think Brando has gone to shoot but he sees me out of the corner of his eye and I'm, I'm on my own and I just slotted it and then it's a great ball from Trev and I just come in the back post and then the last one yeah, I was just told to stay in the middle but unfortunately I yeah, made a 40 yard run and lucky enough shows found me
1: I'm um, impressed with our new signing Sean Kavanagh
2: Ah, oh, Sean's been brilliant since uh, he come in. I know Sean cabinet a well while and I knew uh, how good he was and everybody can see like what a quality player he is and he has massive ability.
1: You mentioned Ronald Finn. He came back tonight in his captain and he's a very influential player for us.
2: Ah, oh, a massive play for- player for us. Like with his ability, he's the captain of the club. Like you know, what I mean, he gets he gets us going, he gets us playing, and uh, it's great to have him back.
1: Cork on Monday now. Do you want to send a statement up there?
2: Of course, like any time you play like against Cork, they're like they've done brilliant like the past uh, year and two years and all like you know what I mean. So going up there gives us confidence going there, and we'll go up there with confidence and hopefully uh, get a result. What year were you born, sir? Ninety-three. Ninety-three. So the last time a Shamrock Rovers player, now you noticed that because you were told that on Friday, scored four goals
0: was in 1992, mm. Stephen Gagan, okay. and you scored four the other night. Uh, that's a long time for uh, a player not to have scored so many goals. So uh, you must be quite happy to have uh, taken that record.
2: Well, yeah, it's funny you play out to score four goals in a game is a great thing. But the thing is about football, like you scored four goals and then obviously like you scored four goals on Friday and then you go to Cork on Monday where. Like it's great and all, but it's kind of gone, and now your, your focus goes on Monday, and then you have to perform on Monday, so you can't really dwell on it and say, Great, you score four goals when you've got another game coming around that you have to perform in.
0: Yeah, so that was Borgie. I he spoke very well. I actually listened to the whole thing off the ball, and he was very good. Yeah, he was a uh, you, you could tell he he was a type of player that had to be dragged in by the ear screaming just to have his <laughs> dinner because he wanted to play ball.
1: When I when I tweeted that about um Stephen Gagan, someone had a, someone had a funny reply to me and said, Did you rob Gagan's phone to tweet this?
0: <laughs> Why was that?
1: And that was a reference to an old story. Yeah, so a former player who would have played with him around that time, in the early nineties. He told a story that uh Gagan was um accused of stealing phones <laughs> from his workplace. So Ray Tracy said to the players, Now don't say a word. To the fans, don't don't let on anything. Just stay quiet, and they're like, right, 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 gaffer, right. And they opened the doors, and immediately the fans started singing, "Gay ghost steals the phones. He <laughs> steals the
0: phones." The fans knew about it before the players did. Yeah, you gotta love the the a uh, moment chants from from Rovers fans. Are, they're crackers. Yeah.
1: But obviously, it's it's an amazing achievement by Berkey. Score four goals in one game. And
0: Prof, you're well on your way to Great your prediction. Well, on your way to your prediction. Yeah, a nice little boost from my <laughs> top scorer prediction there. Right? Yeah. So that's 12 goals for our midfielders at this point already. So can you yep. call him a midfielder? He is. Is he a, mm-hmm. He's an attacking midfielder, you could say. But he could definitely do a job up front. So we'll move on to the other results now from the League of Ireland. We had Sligo losing a home to Waterford. And uh, Limerick finally won one 0 a home to Bray. That was... Um, they seem to have good results at home and then be terrible away. So I'm hoping that's not the case when we travel down there on Monday. And then Bowes lost at home uh, to St. Pat's. And Dundalk beat Cork 1-0 in Oriel Park.
1: Yeah, that was Cork's first defeat. Or
0: the only points they dropped so far, isn't it? Yeah. The only points they've dropped so far, yeah. So ho- I, after watching them up in Cross on the Monday, I reckon they'll drop again because um, I, I just don't like the way they play, to be honest. But we're going to talk about the Irish Amputee National League. And that got underway on Saturday. Rovers have entered the team who will be coached by Stuart McSweeney. And they were presented to the crowd at halftime against Derry. And the Rollestone hosted the fourth round of games. And here's the results. With Cork drawn, with Shamrock Rovers one all, Bohemians 1, Cork City 1. And Shamrock Rovers nil, Bohemians 5. So we lost the Amputee Derby. So we'll have to get some sort of revenge eventually.
1: Yeah, so there's three teams in the league and they take turns... Hosting the game, so so it's a day out pretty much. Yeah, so I don't think the next one's going to be mount or Cork, but it'll host three games again, so every three or four weeks. Yeah, fair fair play to everybody
0: involved, a fantastic initiative. And uh, Rovers have officially reached 25k Twitter followers, so 25,000 Twitter followers. We're uh, we're just what 24 and a half thousand behind, maybe a bit more. Rovers' uh, hashtag Football Loves Us videos were shortlisted for the Digital Engagement Community Award in the annual Irish Sports Industry Awards for 2018. So I'd love to know if there was ever any other football-related uh, subjects nominated for this before. I wonder if it's a forced. So that's something I'd be interested in
1: uh, in finding out. And just on that Graham Burke interview that you talked about on Off the Ball, they asked him about Football Loves Us. And uh, he said when he goes around the inner city now, he doesn't see kids out playing with the football anymore.
0: Yeah, it's the truth. It's there's no like I mean I cycle to work every day, and it's it's a peak time for kids that we 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 were out when we were younger and they're just not around anymore. It doesn't happen not on my road, not anywhere I go. It's it's quite sad. It's something that needs to be how do you, how do you address it? And you can't blame the nation and the kids of today because they're given this technology. The technology mm. is there; they're going to use it. I mean, if we had it back then, we would have done the same thing.
1: I think Derry Tracy said the same
0: thing when he was here. Yeah, exactly. He said if they had the the games then, they probably would have played them. Yeah, exactly. So the Under-17s league is getting underway as well, Prof. Uh, Rovers play Limerick at Hogan Park on Saturday at 2pm. So that's their first game of the season. And uh, congratulations to Aaron Bulger, who was nominated for the Under-17 International Player of the Year Award. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. That's a black tie event where you go and you get dickied up and couple of points yeah Uh, hope he doesn't get egged again yeah (laughs) fantastic he's up against Aaron Connolly and Adam Eda who's setting the the championship on fire apparently apparently he's fantastic and uh, those FAI awards will be handed out this coming Sunday
1: yeah Connolly was at Brighton and and uh, Eda's with Norwich
0: so uh, Sammy Clark and Evan Caffrey played for Ireland under 15s in
1: Cyprus just on that 15 squad actually there's a someone with an amazing name in that squad right Go on <laughs> This this is an Ireland under 15s player right Anselmo Garcia McNulty
0: Anselmo Ger- Anselmo's enough for me That, that would have done Anselmo Garcia McNulty
1: Gar- There's a McNulty Playing for Real Batiste In Spain
0: A McNulty?
1: How did this happen?
0: Well I think I can do one better prof uh, There's a Robert Cullen Japanese player Playing for North East United in India Fully Japanese Well I think his parents One of his parents is Irish But that's Robert <laughs> Cullen I think he played with Jubilo Iwata As well Oh yeah <laughs> um, Yeah that's That's up there as well a strange one isn't
1: it Yeah I asked Luke Byrne for a bit of a scoop on this guy Because Lukey would have coached A couple of those under 15s lads And uh, he says his dad is Irish so
0: Yeah it's pretty cool isn't it There's the link yeah so uh, that's that's all of our Roadstone project news for the time being. So we're going to move on to more serious matters with Bukhar Bailey being jailed for two and a half years for cannabis possession. So Bukhar will be... Uh, He's been involved with Bluebell United for the past couple of years and he um, We interviewed him last year. Yeah, fantastic interview, in fairness. And I, I had nothing but good things to say about Bukhar in his first year at Rovers. He was really good by that moment of madness against UCD. When uh, mm-hmm. he just went insane, yeah. So like I said, oh yeah, I I liked the Marovers, and it's just uh, it's unfortunate. It's kind of a, a sad story, really, when you when you think about what really went on in his life. And like he told us on the show himself, his grandparents raised him, and but well, it's no listen. Mm-hmm. We're not making excuses for the guy. We're just we're just merely telling you and, and informing people about it. So that's Bucker Bailey has been in jail for two and a half years, and then we have uh, Enda Stevens, Prof. Former, uh left full and uh currently trending at the moment.
3: hmm
1: Yeah, he made the provisional squad for the, the Turkey friendly next week. Hopefully he makes the cut and he's not cut out like uh Chris Forrester was.
0: If he gets in a left full Chris or Chris Forrester, if he gets in a left full Ward can kiss that spot good boy. I mean He's average at best and End Stevens is will be a breath of fresh air in that Orland squad. That's the
1: one that's one thing gone from. I think if it had been a midfielder, his chances of being cut were probably more likely. This is left foot, I mean, how many good left foes have
0: we had in the last twenty years? Could probably yeah. name me two. Good old Ian Hart with his set pieces. And yeah. in saying that he was never actually that good. <laughs> he was never brilliant.
1: So he's the first former Auras player to be called up by Ireland since Noel Hunt.
2: Noel
0: Hunt, wow.
1: Yeah, Hunt won three caps. His last coming in 2009. And if
0: you ask him, he'll tell you he scored.
1: Yeah, did you read that story? I think he we had, mentioned the show last year, didn't we? he had a huge row over that goal. still
0: very angry about it. Well yeah. rightly so, someone takes a goal away from you for your scoring for your country. So we had a coverage frenzy and hoop scene on Friday, Prof. I have to say, this uh, yeah. It's brought a tear to the eye.
1: I said to Rob, we should actually have renamed the programme Tales from the <laughs> East End because we're all over the
0: thing. Give it time, Riley, we'll get yeah. there. We'll get there. But it was uh it was fantastic and I I was flattered, I couldn't believe it. In particular Mr Maloney's uh his his article. It's just it's just genuinely good reading. Besides yeah. from being about us, it's just the way he words everything it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, he gave us a glowing review, so I appreciate that, Jason. And well, uh, I appreciate
0: the Shandys in Limerick as well. I
1: Appreciate them even more, yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah,
1: yeah, Conor Fitzpatrick interviewed you for the the fan spotlight.
0: That was just like a chat to this is like one of those did you you bump into a Rovers fan and you just start chatting to them, that's just what it was. You just rang me and just start chatting. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Could have went on for a, a lot longer.
1: In which you claim that we were in a rap group.
0: Yeah, the prof what was it? Innovative destruction ID. That is fake news. No <laughs> definitely not You we were not in any rap group. Sitting in a in prof sitting room playing drum machines. Trying
1: our best. Yeah. So then you had my article, and then you had uh, Robert Goggins. He he loved the interviews with did with Podge and George and Bobby. So, But even aside from the programme, I mean, in 899 Bar, people were constantly coming up to me about the podcast, which is which is really nice, obviously. Glenn Dunn said he's after listening back to every single episode in the off-season. Good man, Glenn. To keep him going. Good man, Glenn. Yeah, John Connolly loved our intro last week. Son of my father. <laughs> yeah. I think he started breaking into a dance. <laughs> That's
0: really,
1: I can only imagine John grooving through Bunton Park cans yeah. in hand on his way to the game. He says his memory isn't the best but then he hears something like that and then he's like oh my god that song from 30-40 years ago. It just all came flooding back he said. Oh, and uh, Forky is continuously fascinated by Aussie Nate. There's a few times now he's, he's asked me about Nate. What a
0: partnership. They'd be yeah. tag team champions if, yeah. if you put them together.
1: And he said to me, sure, you only started following Rawers a year ago. And I said, you only started following the sport of
0: football a year ago. The sport of football. I think he's a, an Aussie rules fan, possibly. Hmm. Um, rugby thrown in there as well to boot. But um, oh, we're, we're delighted to have him. And you can see his flag up every time in Tallaght. That's the the green and white with the kangaroo, the boxing gloves. That's Aussie yeah. Nate's uh, flag. So if you if you see it, that's what it is. And Todd McDermott showed you a big guy. Go on.
1: Yeah, he had an article on Dutch ground hopping in oh, the park. Oh,
0: Yeah, no, we yeah. were. Did you didn't we even see any football. Didn't e- no, that's. I won't even get into why I didn't see any football. That's uh, Eindhoven. Just Eindhoven got me. <laughs> <laughs> Eindhoven got me. Bloody coffee shops. Yeah, so. Uh, we're going to move on now we had a fantastic interview with Sean O'Connor and Connor Fitzpatrick two programme contributors so uh, we're going to roll that one out okay, I'm here with the newest contributors
1: the hoop scene Sean O'Connor who's back involved this season and Connor Fitzpatrick who just got started with us so Connor, you did a fan spotlight each week first one was with Ryan McDyre and tonight's fan is a familiar face who is he?
4: Oh well, it's your it's yours, yours truly. It's Gary Parsons, <laughs> <laughs> uh, co-host of this, this podcast, and uh, yeah, it was great to have him. It was great to have a chat to him, you know, and he was very eager to to be in the program. So uh, he had lots of good stories to tell. So hopefully, it made for a good good spotlight.
1: Yeah, Gary's not here, of course, aka the King of Canes. <laughs> he's, he's in Einhoven, but uh, I'll keep a copy for him. Uh, what sort of things do you ask each fan each week?
4: Uh well it's uh, it's not exactly a hard job you know the most obvious thing is always uh you know how do you get into following the club and you know where where did your robust story start so I I kind of lead off with that and then you know everyone has different stories and I can always go off and ask them any further questions on any interest and they bring up
1: so if anyone wants to get involved how does it read you
4: yeah well I mean I'm you know Facebook Twitter all the usual stuff um. <laughs> I know Gary Butcher my Twitter name on the podcast. Oh, like, it's Krahor it's, it's MGP, so C O N C H U R MGP on Twitter, or just search Connor Fitzpatrick, you'll probably find me. And it's the same on Rover's chat. Just you can send me, me send me something on Messenger, and we can try and arrange something.
1: And Sean, you do the manager notes with uh, Stephen Bradley, and you preview our opponents each week. So our next two opponents are Derry and Pats. Did your research turn
3: up anything interesting, aside from the fact that we never seem to beat them? <laughs> Um, yeah, just with the opposition pieces, um, you kind of have to look into previous results, what was going on. Um, with Derry, you know the record's not great of late, particularly under Kenny Shields. So I kind of wanted to highlight that just to kind of realise the importance of tonight's match. You know, um, and with Pats, sure, look, it's Dublin or South Dublin rivalry, you know. It's not a whole lot to research, <laughs> you know. Everyone knows. Very
4: bogey team.
3: Yeah, very bogey team. Yeah. So, but these are the games that we have to be winning if we want really to be thinking about serious title aspirations, you know. So, um, just kind of in terms of researching them, it's it's kind of usual. Follow their League of Ireland form, that kind of thing. But I try to, I don't know. I try to just kind of make it a bit different, you know. Like for Dundalk, there last week, give a bit about the town, mm. and that kind of thing, you know, instead of just the usual oh the animals are coming down you know so it's <laughs> you know be respectful where it can you know And what I found out though is the oppositions don't actually buy the programme so a lot of stuff is kind of in vain <laughs> so it'd be nice to kind of say what you want though well you can yeah but it'd be kind of nice if um, i kind of kind of like to hear from a Dunlop's point of view if they read it in the Rovers programme and kind of see what they thought of a kind of a rival club's opinion on the piece you know so uh, I know this season I'll be looking at up maybe some of their programs, seeing why they cover us, and we'll see how way that goes, you know. But ah, yeah, it's interesting. So you've been following Rovers since 2003. How did it all start? then, every first game. Um, the first match I was at was the UEFA Inter Cup. It was Rovers against Slovan Liberec in Richmond Park. So my friend Barry, his older brother, uh, was into Rovers. and He dragged me and him out to it. And uh, at the time, I was kind of like, "This is grand, you know, live football or whatever." And then it was only when I started working in um, a warehouse in Raffarnham. There was a lad there who was a staunch Rovers fan. And at the time I was a TV United fan. And he gave me an awful stick about, you know, kind of not following real clubs and whatnot. So I uh, ended up going out to Talcott Park one night with the lads. Bag of cans. <laughs> Usual crack. And I uh, kind of took off from there. It's just kind of like, ah oh, yeah, fucking, this is real football, you know. It's You're out there, you're listening to real voices. Hearing real chance, people going crazy, that kind of thing. And yeah, just you know, yourself the League of Ireland book, once it catches you, or yeah, it's just there's no getting away from it, then you know.
1: <laughs> you two are actually brothers in law, which I didn't realize before I arranged this interview. Uh, Sean, you met Connor for the first time in swords, and you're pleasantly surprised by what you found in this gaff.
3: Yeah, we're, we're future brothers in law, so I'm engaged to a sister. So, um, I'm from Rathfarnham originally, and which is obviously big hoops territory. And uh, started going out with Connor's sister, and she's out on swords, so I ended up going out to swords, kind of. Right, this is balls shells territory, you know. And then uh, <laughs> the first night I in the house, I saw a Rover's gear on the in the hallway, and I was like, oh, "What the fuck's going on here?" You know. So yeah, kind of. It's a like, grand. I'll marry this one, so. <laughs> 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 you know? So um, yeah, that was uh, kind of worked out really well.
1: And, I kind of, you started following robbers during their relegation year, and most Northside young lads at the time <laughs> would have opted for Shells, so yeah. they were dominating at the time, so why the
3: hoops?
4: Well, it, I, I didn't, like, specifically start them in the relegation year. I kind of, I mean, obviously, at the time they would have been playing in Talca Park, so I was just, you know, I didn't really, I was young, I was only, you know, I was still in primary school, so I just picked whatever team was closest, you know. So obviously Rovers were closest at the time, but uh, I didn't actually start seriously going to Rovers matches until a few years later, you know, when I would have been a bit older. So, um, I mean, I've been going to, I've been se- season ticket holder for, you know, five or six years now. So, like Sean said, the League of Ireland bug just catches you and that's it, you know. So
1: I believe you have a famous uncle.
4: <laughs> uh, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a tenuous relation actually. It's it's my unc my uncle's brother <laughs> is Dermot Keeley <laughs> who uh, yeah he's uh, he's he's uh, making a name for himself now as a as an Irish bar owner in Lanzarote. Yeah, uh, I, I like I, I like I I've n- I haven't spoken to the man in, <laughs> in God knows how long, but yeah, he's uh, my uncle's brother. So yeah,
1: are <laughs> you visiting Keeley's bar, Lanzarote?
4: Lanzarote wouldn't be the <laughs> wouldn't be coming up on my uh, to do list, you know. But if I'm there, I would definitely have to go down, you know. He's uh, he's still a big supporter of the league, you know, which you know you love to see flying the flag for the league in abroad, and you know can't fault that.
1: I thought he hated barstoolers.
4: <laughs> well, no, yeah, well, of course there's that famous interview he did on uh, Soccer Republic, but I mean he seems to promote Irish sport where he can. So I mean I know he has. I've seen pictures of his bar and he's got, you know, Dundalk. He's got all, from clubs all around the league, he's got, uh, like, memorabilia and gear up decorating the pub. So, yeah, I think think he looks like he's doing well for himself over there, you know, flying the flag for the LOI.
1: (laughs) Now, Sean, as a former Red Farnham man, now exiled on the north side in Soros, you've decided to start a new supporters group. Uh, Explain the idea behind that.
3: Well, it's not really a supporters group as as such. It's kind of a round up all the outcasts. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, the, the kind of thing was, I noticed, because I was going to a couple of games about two seasons ago and I was getting the bus from Swords out to Talla. and I kind of noticed on the, the kind of trek across town and then out to Talla which is quite long. You'd probably fly to London quicker. Um, just that there was hoops kind of coming out of bits and places everywhere, but a lot of them were on their own, so I was kind of going and going. I was thinking that, you know, it'd be kind of cool to have some sort of some sort of banner or group where exiled hoops or kind of lads on their own kind of thing can all meet up and congregate, you know, because a lot of supporter groups are kind of based in an area, you know, you have Tala, Crumlin, that kind of thing. So yeah, that was the idea. So again, with Connor, he's after around enough lads and in, in Swords, so we have a full car at the moment coming over and <laughs> <Yeah>. back, <laughs> you know. But I don't know, we might we might we might hit get a flag or something like that down the line and see away. It works out. Yeah, you know, um, I think who,
1: you do get the flag from flagman Ireland, of course. You? Of course, of course, of course yeah. yeah. Here we get discounts if we mention <laughs> the name. <so. laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Uh, if you guys always had an interest in football programmes, would you buy them and read them in away
3: games? And what motivated you To start writing for Hoopsie? Um, I suppose writing about football is something that I really wanted to do from a, wa- a good while ago because i was a big fan of the Blizzard. I don't know if you heard of it in the UK. I think I'm so it's kind of um it's kind of a quarterly magazine thing that's out uh, over there. But I find the quality of writing is very good. And um it's not like your usual tabloid crap or, you know, banter culture shite, you know, it's actually well researched, well kind of documented, good, interesting articles in depth, you know. So I kinda of started getting interested and I was like, Jeez, I'd love to do something like that here in Ireland, you know, if you can find that kind of thing. So that kind of spurred me on and eventually I think just out of the blue then uh, Robert Goggins put up a post looking for someone to contribute at the 2017 season so got in touch had a chat and uh, yeah slowly working my way in
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, same question to you Conor
3: yeah well I actually I
4: I took over I took over from Sean actually halfway through last season so we Sean would have been doing the uh, the piece on the away team so uh I things got a bit busy with Sean with fam- family life and such, so uh I took it over for the second half of the season. But uh Robert was keen to keep both of us involved for this season and uh, a couple of new ideas including the fan spotlight of course. So uh we're gonna be we're gonna be sharing both that and the uh DOA the team article throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So I I would have actually probably shouldn't say this, but I'm I, I never would have considered buying match programs up until I actually started writing for hoop scene but when you're involved you know you, you start to appreciate the amount of effort that goes into it you know Robert has Robert's doing great work with the program and uh, y- you know the, the amount of hours that goes into each week um, it's kind of underappreciated and so it's it's good to support the program you know and it's it's there's a lot of good work a lot of good contrib- contributors there. And uh, it's something I'll be looking out for as well. Will be away programs, you know, comparing ourselves to the opposition, you know. Yeah. So, uh, Sean, you have a novella
1: coming out in the summer. Can you tell us about that?
3: Um, well, not much to tell it just—it's uh, just fiction, you know. It's nothing football related. So, kind of have an interest in writing as well. So, kind of, um, it's just a horror horror book, <laughs> you know. But it's based in it's based in Dublin, mostly Wicklow Mountains kind of thing. So, at this point, there's not a whole lot to sell. Um. But I do kind of drip feed it into the social media and stuff. But the book is complete and um, it's actually getting edited at the moment by uh, by Aladdin a Sligo. Um, but yeah, it'd be more kind of a during the summer thing, I'd have more to say about it, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and that's really that. I'm sure, all the updates <laughs> will be on Twitter, won't
4: they? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Okay, yeah. Well,
1: Connor, I don't think you've started your, your novel yet, there's always still time, but <laughs> what aspirations would you have as a writer?
4: Um, I wouldn't see myself as a writer, to be honest. Um, like I'm, am still at college. I'm in my last year of uh, physics in college, so um, we'll get that out of the way and then see what happens. I mean, <laughs> I'm just going with the flow at the moment. I'm barista on the side as well, so I'd like to keep doing that. You know, as long as it accommodates my uh, extracurricular activities with following Rovers and writing for the program. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, it, I I do enjoy contributing, you know, and it's it's one thing about following the League of Ireland is that you can actually get involved with the club and you can, um, you know, you can actually make a difference and, uh, you know, people I've talked to, they, you know, they're very appreciative of the voluntary efforts made to, you know, contribute to the programme. So it's at the moment, it's just to help out the club at the moment and it's where I get some some personal satisfaction out of
0: yeah so another uh, Hoob's partnership formed through uh, a, a a marriage or in-laws so it's yeah. it's always good to see was a nice cool. surprise I'd say there's a cool little
1: story between those two yeah and as he says he tries to to buy the away programs each ground he goes and he wasn't too impressed with the, the Cork opposition piece and uh, I agree with him it looked a bit lazy to me you now it seemed a bit thin in fairness Sean does put a fair bit of effort, effort in the hills, so yeah. Sean good. has a
0: serious <laughs> eye for detail. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're very lucky to have Sean. And like opposition pieces don't. It's it's something that I think we we could definitely do a little bit more on. So I'm delighted to have Sean in. And uh, like I said, his eye for detail is is fantastic. One thing I forgot to ask Connor about is that he speaks fluent Polish. Apparently, it's, so, so this is this is amazing. I find this fascinating. Um, I'd love to know the origins of this, and maybe maybe there's a Polish parent or maybe. I don't know if he just picked it up because he had a gear him from Poland or something like that <laughs> it's, it's amazing either way and uh, yeah so that was the two lads so delighted to have them on and hopefully we'll be back again maybe in Johnny Blue sometime Um, we're going to move on to the 1-0 loss on Monday up in Turner's Cross which stung quite badly for me anyway because I thought we were really good but we're going to talk about the bus the four o'clock kick off the bus and uh, there was cans those bottles those. was Mm. There was all sorts of crack The usual in the Gary Twig Supporters Club
1: the usual just making kick off 10 minutes beforehand <laughs> Yeah Classic Gary Twig
0: Classic Gary Twig This is our first bus trip of the season, Gar I know it's, it's, it's hard to believe Do you know what? It was a long time coming It was hard to believe yeah. It's It's been so delayed We hadn't even left Dublin at this yeah, point Yeah, we hadn't even left Dublin And uh, we had the Tales from the East I Had the tunes cranking again Oh, we did indeed We always try and bring our Rovers related music with us and there was no Dave Barry and his sweaty chips. I think it was his daughter. Uh, sweaty chips. This time. I didn't sample the cuisine, to be honest. Didn't look... Uh, you went for a burger, Prof. What was it like?
1: I went for a burger. It was nice, yeah. This time I was smarter about it because last year I was in that queue for 20 minutes. I was, I was in it so long I missed McAllister's red card. Yeah. So this time I was like, no, queueing a early.
0: Yeah, you snuck out a minute or two before the yeah. half ended. A, a sneaky tactic.
1: Hurricane Junior is in the bus.
0: Hurricane Junior, yeah. Very good. Uh, he's 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 trained well. I'll give him that. At one stage, Tommy was walking in. He goes, where's my cans? And all you could hear, him, we have them there. <laughs>
1: Stuff him like turkeys. Stuff from
0: like turkeys. So Tommy,
1: well. Tommy asked him for a prediction and he said 6-1. 6-1,
0: he spoiled at home. <laughs> that's what it is. He's been spoiled. Three
1: consecutive sixes he wants.
0: So Alan Farnillo tweeted this to us. He said, thank you for introducing me to the phase sweaty chips, which is now a very part, important part of my lexicon. <laughs> we all know what sweaty chips are like.
1: And uh, before the game, I, I couldn't find the portal. And...
0: You're just I, walking around in circles. I, holding it. I didn't
1: <laughs> know I didn't know what was going on. Then I noticed people going into this small building. So I had to investigate,
0: right? So I went in it there. bricks, didn't it? It was like bricks and other stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I went in, there was like those four lockable cubicles, right? And there was a few like urinals on the opposite side. So like multiple people could go to the bathroom at once.
0: You could actually go to the toilet. Like more than one person. You didn't have to wait for someone else to come out of a little green box.
1: No, I know I know what people are gonna thinking, why change a good thing? You know, form an orderly queue behind the port loo one at a time. Why change it? But Hear me out. This this was an interesting idea. And then, you usually you turn it across, you do your business, and off you go, ready to spread various diseases. That's what we're taught to do. Right? But no, you come out, and there was this ball-shaped basin. Huh? And it had some sort of, uh, I suppose you'd call it a, like a faucet. And Wet th- stuff come out? The, with- this faucet supplied Hot and cold water, right? Like uh it was like you know, I watched my call it uh, a sink a sink. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. But it didn't stop there, guv. This is where it got really fancy. And anyone who's been to the UAN at Turner's Cross, I know you've no idea what I'm talking about here. If you weren't at the game on Monday, but I'm just I'll describe it to you as best I can. There was this device, and when you triggered it, it dispensed some sort of surfactant. Cleaning compound In small quantities Sh- That you could Was it ketchup? No you could apply it to your hands And you Was it mustard?
0: No 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 Was it in liquid form? Yeah Right A Soap dispenser That's it That's You're it You're telling me they had fucking soap They had
1: that Jesus Christ And uh, Yeah And and then of course you know, My hands were Were wet at this point But I, I didn't want to so make you it didn't, f- You didn't just wipe them in your trousers? Yeah, like, I didn't want to make a fuss about it. They Like, they'd dry themselves eventually. And I got shot into a nice steward in there. And I didn't want to be, you know, the dub. Too big for his boots. Can't dry his own hands, you know. But, but next thing, I just know the same. He put his hand under this electric machine. And the machine, like, automatically just started producing hot air. And it was blowing the water off his hands until it till evapor- it dried till it evaporated are you serious yeah so it was like a you could call it
0: a, a hair dryer yeah what a, what a novelty jeez we're talking like this is I feel like we went to the future I think <laughs> it was like we got on the Gary Twig bus and we went through a black hole went into a time warp went through some sort of time into yeah. the future that's how upgraded these <laughs> facilities were in Turner's Cross Unbelievable. Incredible scenes. (laughs) (laughs) So we made two changes to the squad. Joey O'Brien was in for Eaton Boyle. The injured Eaton Boyle, who I didn't know. I didn't know about that until after the game. And Lukey Bourne came in for Trevor Clark, which uh, much to our surprise. Mm -hmm. But in fairness, um, I think Lukey had played very well against Bray. No, the Doc. The great game against the Doc, so... Uh, it was probably kind of harsh to drop him after that, so he came in for Trevor Clark. and uh, That was
1: uh, Joey O'Brien's debut, of course. Joey O'Brien's debut. His first competitive game in 25 months.
0: <sighs> wow. 25 months since he played a competitive game. That is a mm-hmm. long. And to be honest, it showed. For me, it showed. And Brad's got it right to give him the hook. I think it was just on 60 minutes. But uh, Joey O'Brien, in an interview, says he's determined for his spell at Rovers to be a success. And he said there was only one place he wanted to play, Joey said, Always rovers. My family and I always went to watch them. Even when I was in England, I'd watch games when back at home and over a summer period. He said, I've always loved Irish football, always have done, always will. And when it's all over, I said I probably won't be travelling down to Cork to watch them, but i will be definitely going to Talot. So uh, I thought we came out of blocks firing at this one, prof. I really did.
1: Yeah, just know on the Cork's team as well, like they had a kind of a, a makeshift back four. Sean McLaughlin. I don't think he'd play much senior football at all.
0: Was that the guy they got from UCC? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he's nominated for an award for player of the year for college player of the year.
1: So we had to go with him, and like I, I've only been to Turners Cross a few times, but I talked to people who've been here many times over the years, and they considered this one of our best performances. Yeah, down the there. general consensus was yeah. that
0: it was an excellent performance, yeah. and we really put it to them. Really put it to them. And like I said, the early play we did have uh, we had a bit of possession, and we went at them from the start. That's what I loved about it. We went at them, and I loved that we focused. We actually got a quite a bit of joy through the middle of the park with Bork. I'm loving the little exchanges between the likes of Bork, Cabinet, and Carr. They all seem to be on the same wa- same wavelength mm. and playing little passes in the round. I think was, at one stage there was a pass played into Carr, and it looked like it was going nowhere. It looked like he's not going to be able to. But he played a little around the corner, Gary Twig esque pass into. Into the, the path of an oncoming player, and it was just brilliant play. It really was. It, uh, we never looked like breaking down in front of goal, so I was, I was delighted to see that. In terms
1: of actual chances and shots, I think Cavo had one from 25 yards. It uh, wasn't
0: too far wide, actually. Standard now for Gandalf and his staff, isn't it? Yeah. A shot from 20 yards.
1: He's going to score one of them every three games, I reckon. Yeah. He's just going to score a screamer.
0: I reckon double figures, actually, for him. Either assists or goals. Yeah. I think so. He's just
1: a class apart in this league. So there was actually something on, on Balls. AE at the start of the season. Ranking the top fifty League of Ireland players. I don't think Cabinet was in it because he just signed.
0: Well he's top ten. I'd say so. I think he's top two. Top two? Yeah. The prof prophesizes. Yeah. yeah, so fantastic stuff from him and I think the it was, it was such a sickener. I mean, the worst time to concede. I know it's the thirty eight minute, but in and around that time to concede is just such a pet peeve of mine. I, I can't stand conceding near half because it just knocks you for six and the penalty. It was a throw in, out left. Barry McNamee picked it up and it was a swung in cross. Not much pace on it. I think who got the mm. header? Shepherd or Cummins? I'm not too sure who knocked it against the bar, but um he Kind of slowly dropped onto the post. I think was just it? yeah, looped onto the post, went out towards the sideline, and Horgan made the decision to rush off his line, and literally just chopped Sadlier in two, and mm. it was a out all day. Some people around me convinced
1: that he he won the ball, but I felt he definitely. At the time, him at the I time.
0: did. At the time, yeah. I thought yeah, he got the ball, but it was a out all day. The clip showed up then on Twitter. Now we can debate yeah. this till the, the cows come home, but I, after watching it, like I said, a minimum 50 times, minimum 50 times, just analysing it and thinking what, like f- fair enough, he, he did look a little bit stuck in the mood when it came to actually trying to get near the original header, hmm. but if he was to stay on his line, he would have had Grace and Lukey Bourne going to Sadlier to, yeah. to pretty was- much block
1: him down. That was my criticism. Could have made himself
0: yeah. big as well, narrowed the angle, so he would have had three players, Sadlier then would have had three players, Bourne, Grace and Horgan making himself big to stop any oncoming shot, but it wasn't to be. He made the decision he made and we went 1-0 down just before the half.
1: Yeah, because I thought that like, the ball had come off the post. I thought, Sadlier was kind of a good bit away from goal. Granted, he could have turned around and hit a snapshot, but as you say, he was, he was being closed down.
0: Yeah.
4: But,
1: yes, it's that decisiveness you know you wanted you wanted it in space from your keeper, you wanted to be you him to make positive and correct decisions, but you know he's a young keeper, so hopefully he he is young and yeah. as
0: well what what I noticed in the dairy highlights is that he now we're not we're not picking on the guy, we're just merely picking out instances where we thought he could have been a little bit better and when he was rounded at the in the dairy game like he, he went in like a defender if you notice that when I think I'm not sure who the dairy player was but they literally just skinned him and put a ball across and it was fantastic clearance by Grace did you see that one I think so yeah and it looked like he just he, he didn't use his hands he didn't use his he didn't use his goalkeeping advantages to his advantage where he could pick the ball up or he can dive at someone's feet so he was just skinned like a defender so there is, there's a lot to learn for the guy and we are going to be positive towards him but we're, we will call a spade a spade and I I do think he was at fault for the penalty the one minute into the second half that, that was it pretty much for the first half uh, any other chances but you can think of oh, Prof we, we had some good play in general and I don't, I don't think we well, that's what makes us such a frustrating result because we had most of the play
1: in that first half we looked really good Cork they threatened a couple of times, but they had no chances to speak of until that penalty. So to lose the game and the penalty was the only difference. That's what it, it yeah. does stick in your craw. But we were back there again later in the season. So
0: yeah, I fancy it. I fancy a chance. I fancy of them, a result yeah. next time, actually, uh, yeah. definitely. So that was it for the first half, and uh, one minute into the second half, Ali G. Came off injured, replaced by Pico. So he must have just pulled up. Maybe he felt <laughs> it in the first half. And they said, well, go on out and see how you feel. He was going to probably come off anyway. So I, better off, preemptive strike, get him off mm. and bring Pico on. Is this when Bond moved to right back or was it? No, that was after. a little bit later on in the game. I think after 60 minutes. I doubt he's ever played there before. No, but he did a job. Yeah, He, he did well he because, did, yeah. let's be honest, I mean, Joey O'Brien was being <laughs> tortured down that side by sadly There was two instances where sadly I had the freedom of Cork out on the left hand side and he cut in and that's where they were getting their joy from out in wide positions and just uh, hammering balls into the box hoping for something and it's not really a great way to play I don't like the way Cork play they, they look to get it out wide and just whip balls in and pretty much hope for the best hope for a breaking ball which nearly happened a couple of times they got a breaking ball I think um, Morrissey shot over they had a couple of shots from just outside the box which we didn't deal with and they had a a period of about 15, 20 minutes where they were really on top and I thought they were going to get a couple of more. But I thought Brad's subs were bang on. I thought bringing on Clark made a difference. He got at that young Roy fall and Coo- strong still doesn't... hasn't really done it for me at the moment, but...
1: Oh, this is when he made the change, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's where the change bon c- right came back, into yeah. effect.
0: Bone went there for about 20 minutes, 20-odd 20 minutes. And, Surprised um,
1: Shaw didn't come on,
0: though. I thought, it was a, I thought Shaw was, was going to start, to be honest. I, I would have started. I don't think I... I can't remember how I picked in my team, but as as the as the, the days went on and we got closer to kickoff, I thought this is a game for Shozzi. I mean, someone who worked really hard, hassle defenders, and and bring other players into the game. But don't get me wrong, Carol was Carol played okay, but I, I definitely thought it was a a, a game for
1: Shozzi. Yeah, I wish we had used Trevor Clark a bit more when he came on because when he was in the ball and he was trying to to whip it in, it looked like our best chance of a goal or yeah. of an equalizer.
0: Um. Like I, said, I wonder why Trev didn't start that's that's what I'm wondering maybe he picked up a knock and he said we'll give him 20 minutes or 30 minutes see how he gets on mm. but uh, I was I was shocked to not see him start anyway but Lukey Bourne was fantastic for the cuts of the game Carl Shepard in his pocket all night long he got nothing out of him won yeah, every, every header uh, just did played him to a tee and Lukey Bourne was really good so it was good to see Lukey having a bit of form and he hit the crossbar I mean an inch away we're talking inches here and do you know what I noticed as well no breaking balls fell for us like in the middle of the park or in in their third let's say just outside the box the cross comes in they headed out and they ended up picking up the ball as well like no like the header off the crossbar broke to one of their players we just had no luck as regards to that Mm -hmm. no breaking balls fell our way so we were unlucky in that sense as well I felt
1: that crossbar that was right in front of the away end where we were sitting oh,
0: so I was just imagining an away goal.
1: <laughs> Place going insane. It was agonising, just waiting for it to drop in, but yeah.
0: And if you notice, there's a new commentator in a uh, Turner's Cross, uh, Mr. Jason Maloney. Every so often, you could just hear <laughs>
1: a random comment. It doesn't matter how far away from him you are, you could
0: just hear everything he says. Oh, the guy's hilarious. Um, yeah, so that was a uh, big attendance as well, Prof. Which we took up, uh, I'd say three three hundred maybe, fantastic crowd on a yeah. on a Monday night, near enough three hundred yeah, in super, good voice as well, Super crowd for midweek, yeah five abs- hour round trip, five hour round trip yeah absolutely brilliant, and uh, big shout out to the Gary Tweak supporters club as usual we had a deadly raffle, which we had live on Instagram I think two people watched it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, those Harry jellies, those bottles of Luke's aid bottles of cider I'm sure they both loved it, uh, Tower Records voucher which i was dying to get me hands on and a great outdoors voucher for 100 quid so it was, it was fantastic so so get yourself down to the Takes up supporters club who we will not be traveling with on the to, due to a misunderstanding on my behalf but we're going to be drinking cans in the the not the prof mobile the the gar mobile <laughs> not not while well driving though obviously i have i have a desi there we've got a designated driver so are we going down the car for once in limerick and uh I I think that we should all go there's a pub called Pharmacia on Sarsfield Road. So if anyone uh, is looking to get down and have a good point and a good boozer, check that check that one out, that one's pretty cool. I think we should all meet up there and then head to the game. I don't
1: know where most hoops drank in Cork, I think it was the Evergreen There open. was
0: the Tory Tap where a couple of lads were There of the old oak. But they're pretty much that's that's pretty much it. I think they don't really like open up their pubs to Rovers fans, they shut the doors, yeah. don't they? Um, yeah so it was an eventful trip anyway it was good crack and the big attendance the, the loss on the night but we had a positives to take from it positive definitely a lot of positive to take from it yeah so there was other results on Monday as well with Bray losing again at home to Sligo Rovers uh, We Derry winning 5-0 their first game at the Brandywell there was emotional scenes up there so they hammered Limerick Limerick are struggling on the road and um, Pats drew nil all with Dundalk and uh, Dundalk actually haven't conceded Goal yeah. So I'm going to Try and book that trend And our tips From the East End this week I look up
1: the record Actually Record Clean sheets At the start of the season It's 7 By draw oh thousand
0: thousand. was 2006 2006 Yeah So they're uh, They're on course To break it And then we had Warford win 1-0 At uh, The RSC Against Bohemians So That's That round up Of results From Monday 4
1: wins out of 5 For Waterford yeah. For a newly promoted team That's sensational. They're looking good They're yeah. looking good Mikey has scored two goals now for Harps.
0: Mikey's got two goals, yes. That's, that's two goals, so hopefully he continues on with that goal scoring form and uh, mm. he'll come back ready to go back into the fourth team.
1: Only took him three weeks to make his competitive debut because oh,
0: yeah. Harps games kept getting called it's off. Crazy, isn't it? Poor Low Lolly going nuts. And uh, we had Soccer Republic, prof. I saw a couple of um people giving out about the commentary again, saying it's dreadful.
1: And that's because we got the commentary that we've been talking about. She did our game. Yeah. The dairy highlights. It is dreadful.
0: It's terrible. Like what? Why? Just. It's just very. I think it's very unprofessional. Just sum up the game and stop yeah. doing the live thing. Yeah. Now it's really poor. And then we would Emma Weekly. She said, "Great addition to the soccer public team. A Paul Curry making his debut tonight. Definitely done his homework. Gets his point across with ease, and is almost as well dressed as Alan Carly. Mm. So those Rovers connections." On the Greatest League in the World podcast In the last two weeks as well Stephen Royce And Ronan Finn This is actually This is actually A, a staple of my diet now Carl. Um, I, I, I'm It's really grown on me Especially the, the The connection that him And Conan Bourne have And it's really interesting To have an actual player Who has a great opinion And he's not biased at all He tells it how it is yeah. He was speaking about Like other teams And what he should have done In certain games So it's really refreshing To have an actual Active player on a podcast with a Rovers fan, so it's the, it's oh, I'm really liking this, and it's out on Sunday as well, so they're they're quick quick to act as well. So I'm loving this podcast at the moment. And
1: I mentioned the greatest league in the world book that I ordered a few weeks back and took ages to arrive. It finally arrived. Maybe the FEI listened to me because they sent me two by accident. Oh, lovely! Yeah,
0: take that. You can have the second one. Oh, certainly right, will. Some uh, some bedtime reading. So uh, Shamrock Rovers TV has announced their schedule. We games away to Waterford on Friday week away to Dundalk in three weeks time they'll be live on RTE and after that balls will be on Air Sports. so we're jeez uh, we're really popular aren't
1: we Robert's television, Aaron Robert's television, Aaron yeah, that's, yeah. that's what Maloney called us yeah. and RTE were given uh, cricket updates on Ireland versus the West Indies last week right and uh, they actually had something funny they tweeted Niall O'Brien is hitting six as often as Shamrock Growers at the moment
0: Oh, I love oh, And I'd cool. love to know the actual guy who tweeted that. The, the man behind the tweet.
1: Well, Ed Lee—he does work in RTE. And so he claimed an assist there.
0: No, oh, I claimed an assist. Yeah. Right, so uh, next up we're going to have starting 11s and predictions. Yeah, so my starting 11 is going to be Horgan. It's going to be Lukey Bourne at left full to hold onto his place because I thought he was really good against Cork. I've uh, got to hold it on as... We'll give Joey O'Brien another go because Ethan Boyle I think is injured. Hopefully Ali G is not injured and and Grace can partner at centre-half again. I'm going to go Sam Bowen in the middle because I think he was brilliant. He's been playing really well. And uh, Finn in the middle of the park. Uh, left wing Trevor Clark, right wing. As anonymous, that's, that's actually... We didn't even talk about Brando and how anonymous he was against... Um, against Cork he was he, he was the invisible man so he plays well on talent that's the only thing so Brando out wide again but listen Borkin behind a striker and Shazie I'm going to play Shazie up front for this one I think Shazie deserves a run out against Pats and I'd I'd have Brando coming in central because he doesn't he's not exactly a winger so maybe him and Borky can switch between it you know have some sort of understanding between them where they they switch so that's, that's what I'm going to go for I'm going to go for Shawzi, Borky in behind them with Brando switching out to the wing every so often on the right left wing Trevor Clark centre mid Sam Bone and Ronan Finn centre half Ali G and Grace if Ali G is fit and left back Lukey Bourne right back Joey O'Brien with Horgan and goal who are you going to go with Prof did you just drop Cabana Jesus Christ <laughs> how did I forget that
1: <laughs> I was just waiting for you to say his name he's not saying his name I anymore. did
0: now put him in Jesus put him in how could I do that Um, yeah I'll I'll rejig my team and you go for that how could I forget Gandalf (laughs) thanks for letting me go on for like two (laughs) minutes there prof yeah he'll be in there
1: somewhere Uh, my changes from Cork are uh, Trevor Clark back to left back even though as we say Lukey has been impressive this season but I just I'd like to see you know Trev's run from full back hopefully Mm. do some damage against Pats And I'm actually going to keep Carr up front. Oh, lovely. Bring Shaw on the second half, especially if we're still level or, God forbid, behind. So, yeah, keep bone in there.
0: Bone in there,
1: slinging passes. Give a bioner a go, as you say.
0: Yeah. But, um, yeah, do you know I certainly
1: will not drop Sean Cavanagh. Sean
0: Cavanagh does his best work, I think, maybe through the middle of the park because he's so direct, always wants to get forward. (coughs) From the guy who dropped him. <laughs> but um he's he's so effective. You could play him in the ten row, you could play him on the left wing, and if you were to if you were to drop somebody, would you drop Bone? and then have him playing with Finn, I mean Finn, Bork and and, and Kavanaugh playing as a you could say a midfield three with Bork slightly ahead of the rest of them, that's fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to Brads' selection. And it certainly is a headache. And for predictions, I'm gonna go three one, prof. So mm. um Definitely think oh, I'm really, really confident about this. I really am, and it depends on how we approach them. Because if like they're going to come here and play football, they love this big, wide pitch. They play expansive football. Will we try and match them? Will we try and match them up and play ball, or will we change our tactics and maybe try and stunt them? It's not Brad's our style to do that. I don't think he likes to go out and try and win these games. So
1: well, Derry tried to play ball too, and we did counteract that. In fairness, we yeah. we we did ride our luck in the first
0: half. We could yeah. have gone behind once we don't cough up chances like that yeah, and give them a, an opportunity like I said they have Christy Fagan there who's always got a goal in him and uh, no I really do I think we'll beat them 3-1 I'm
1: even more confident I'm saying 4-1 4-1 the
0: prof the prof prophesizes. so um, yeah so that's our starting 11s and predictions so we're going to go with Limerick next prof what do you think I don't think we can go for starting 11s here but we'll go for predictions predictions uh I think I think a, a sneaky one nearly I think Kevin. a two. I'm gonna go with two. I'm gonna go a first half goal and a late one to send the, the limerick the, 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 the drunken horde of of, of Rovers fans into a frenzy. And um yeah, so we have somebody for the list of hatred today, prof. I'm definitely putting them on today. I'm fed up fed up <laughs> with this fella he's worn you down yeah he's worn me he really has worn me down because every time the subject of rovers comes up it's just negative so Johnny Ward has predicted a Pats win on Friday and said they were poor he said that here's his air quotes poor by all accounts in Cork now if he was at the game how could he have come away with that opinion and if he wasn't at the game then he's just a fucking spoofer so definitely Johnny Ward you are officially on the List of Hatred. No messing about there. He went straight on. No messing about. It's been a while though. Been, been antsy.
1: I think the bias against Robert is just so over the top with this It's blatant stage. though.
0: It is blatant. Yeah. Anyone listening to the guy he he just tries to hammer them and you know what? Like I said, we should have let the fucker walk home and go away. So that's him. He is on the list of hatred. Apparently a nice guy but drivel that comes out of them yeah well if you're going by the form
1: neutrals probably would uh, predict passing this game only one win in 11 against them for us
0: yeah now when we're talking about if we're going to go by form you've got to go by recent form so recent
1: form we got one point against them last season I'm talking
0: about recent form in general in the league as in you've got to go by our own form fair enough we're off the back of a loss but I mean Rovers fans will tell you that we haven't been playing well and apparently they've been playing well, so it's it's mm. definitely gonna be a, a cracker of a game.
1: As you say they love Tata. We haven't we haven't beaten them here since twenty fifteen opening day.
0: Twenty fifteen opening day. God. No, and I think the, I do I think we do have it in us.
1: You mentioned recent form. They've actually kept two clean sheets in a row for the first time since August twenty sixteen. And if you remember my staff from the other week, Dundalk Dark and Bray, that was our first back to back clean sheets. Since September 2016 so, so we're all set up for goals The two of us Haven't been keeping clean sheets And uh, Yeah this will be Ronald Finn's 150th
0: league game For Robbers Oh so uh, First goal scorer mm-hmm. That'll be On our tips In a few minutes
1: and another, another little Berkey one for you
0: Go on Little Berkey snippy.
1: Yeah He's the first Robbers player To score five goals In his first four games Ooh Since Liam Buckley In
0: 1980 Oh <laughs> Sending us back to
1: trem- yeah. down memory lane, there, Prof. Um, and we talked about our goalkeeping situation. The Pats' goalkeeping situation. As Baz has played all five games for them so far, they've got a seventeen-year-old keeper on the bench, Brian Maher.
0: They've no backup keeper. They lost. Well, uh, what was his name? He wore trousers That immediately meant I would have sacked him. Oh, the, the Polish, Polish right? guy.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, Jesus, his name. His name mm. escapes me now. But
1: Oh, uh, Scarrowon, Scarrowon,
0: Lucas Scarrowon.
1: That's how he pronounces anyway, because it sounds funnier. <laughs> yeah. But he's a uh, bad guy, isn't he? No, but Patrick Jennings actually still, but he's still a registered player. He's thirty-eight years old, oldest player in the Premier Division.
0: Yeah, so he that's that's still pretty able for a keeper. So he made his
1: league debut after four years. I think that was last season.
0: His league debut after four years. Yeah. So that's uh Pat Jennings. He'll probably have to thrown in to the frying pan at some stage. And uh, there was an interview with Simon Madden a couple of weeks ago and he spoke about how Stephen Bradley called Madden while on holiday with his pregnant wife in the US last November. He said to be fair to Stephen he wanted me to come back and talk face to face as I deserved that respect. He said the 29 year old told the 42 yesterday I agreed with him and I was away for another 10 days so I told him to tell me on the phone as it's the same thing. I just wanted to know as I didn't want to hanging over me for the whole holiday and I was keen to clear my head. At least when you know you can make plans and you can start talking to other managers. It was a shock to be fair because the four years I played really well and uh, I was really consistent. He says, the fans will tell you that uh, you get some players who aren't giving 100% but I give 100% every time I play, trained and did the coaching. I dedicated a lot of my life to the club for the last four years so it was shocked but things change all the time in football and you have to be thick skinned. Bradley wanted to go a different way and it was his decision. I couldn't do anything about it and I did my very best for that club I wish them all the best In a str- it is a strange game one day you're at a club and the next it can just change I got on really well with Stephen I played with him during my four spell at Rovers I was right back and he'd be right wing we had a good relationship and I probably did most of the running for those few games I did play with him that year as well I enjoyed working with him when he came in as coach under Pat and then took over I liked how he played football and talked about it he was coaching while I was involved with the underage setup as well so I'd see Stephen a lot of different evens and we got on really well but he made a decision this season; he was going a different way, and you have to respect people's decisions, even though he's seen something differently. Ever since I went to Rovers for a second spell, I really enjoyed it, and I've nothing to bad say about the club. So that was quite the lengthy interview, Prof. I, I got a slight tinge of sour grapes off him. Really? Yeah. It it seems like
1: you didn't say anything bad about the club, though.
0: No, but he seems like he needs to be, you know, bigged up for what he did and how committed he was and fair enough he was, he was he was committed but I mean why come out with that saying I had like oh I played really really well and I was really consistent you know things change you know why even come out and say that it kind of just seems a little bit off if it takes him down in my estimations anyway still listen he's, he's a good player and hopefully he doesn't come back to haunt us anyway
1: but he, as he alluded to there it was a football decision not everything needs to be personal you know he just wants to take a different direction you know
0: yeah and maybe that's what he thought it was a force he thought it was personal but it wasn't it was just football related and like I said we got Ethan Boyle there now and Joey O'Brien so it's a, it's a different option that we have
1: you actually talked about uh, 2012 as well when Stephen Kenny came in as rowers manager oh yeah uh, Madden was at Dundalk at the time and he ended up going to go Derry he was he obviously was interested in moving back to Dublin and he said I thought when Stephen got the rowers position that I could have done a job for him they signed your man, Craig Gilbert, at the time.
0: Oh, awful.
1: But I had a feeling that I should have been making that move. You probably thought it wasn't ready, but I believed it was.
0: And he chose a, a fella who. Uh, what do you say about Craig Gilbert? <laughs> what can you say? Yeah, hasn't been said
1: before. Yeah, and then, of course, we did finally sign Madden <clears> in 2014. <throat> continuing our trend of signing players after they win an FBI yeah. Cup. Because God knows they won't win with, with
0: Rovers. <laughs> the drive for 25 is back. Your favorite uh, hashtag, prof. So uh, the Bradley, uh, he just shut out the media when it came to this one. I think somebody asked him, "Would you like to speak about the the Madden situation?" And he literally just said, "Nope." Yeah, <laughs> not
1: happening. <laughs> In fairness, he hadn't spoken about it publicly up to that point, so it does take some a bit of arrogance, though, doesn't it? Yeah, I think if so. you're a reporter and you just think, "Well, he's going to tell me the whole scoops."
0: Well, that's what reporters do, don't they? They, they mm. push the envelope a bit. But, um, no, so we have Limerick on the bank holiday Monday at half 6 kickoff, which I wasn't aware of, probably. I didn't think it was that early. Mm. Um, so people will, you'll have to be leaving early on your buses and, and all sorts. So next up, we have an interview with Andrew Cunine, who writes for the Limerick Leader, and that's to preview the game.
1: Okay, so I'm joined online by Limerick journalist and Paddy Perrault's pro-wrestling correspondent, Andrew Cunning So we're going to preview Wrestlemania 34 And I suppose If this time We might look ahead To the Robbers game On Monday a little bit So Andrew Welcome to the show Thanks Carl. I didn't
5: agree to any football chat, But I can do Wrestlemania For you
1: if you want Yeah that's what you want Yeah 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 so the Limerick and Robbers game Had to be rescheduled of course Because of the beast From the east So were you surprised That they named the snowstorm After a Brock Lesnar pay-per-view From a few years ago
5: Wow you know actually I'm saying I think I might talk about the football instead if I am going to go that in depth um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you um, we were lucky enough with the snow starting to be honest I saw some pictures from Dublin and it looks unbelievable so um, in, in terms of the weather we got we were actually okay and to be honest I, I don't think any weather could have ruined the market's field pitch any more than you know, the actual pitch itself so um, in, in terms of the weather I don't think it's had any adverse effects but uh, maybe with the rescheduling of the game if Rovers having to come down midweek isn't ideal um, and especially given the form limit Limerick at the moment um, I think we're recording this just after they've lost the and they have carpet weekend so that should be another cheery um, encounter so we'll, um, by the time Rovers come around I don't think it could possibly get worse
1: so, tell us what happened to Limerick over the winter. Chairman Pat O'Sullivan announced that he was selling the club. And uh, just before that, Neil MacDonald left for Scunthorpe on the first day of pre season. And then the 19's manager, Tommy Barrett, came in. Yeah,
5: it's, um, it's been quite hectic in that sense. Um, uh, everything Pat O'Sullivan says in terms of the club and the finances should probably be taken in a pinch of salt. Not to discredit him, but he says it. I think he's probably telling everybody he thinks he's come in and um, you know it, it all seems to kind of peter out into nothing anyway and considering the fact that they've taken on the women's team, given on the maggots field and uh, rightly so and that they're, they're paying for the, all the sessions in the UL as well as the men's senior team I, I don't know how much weight you can put behind any supposed financial irregularities or shortcomings that he may have. Um, as for Neil McDonald, <laughs> I think it, it's heavy the preparation but Limerick has stacked it okay to be fair to them and, I mean, like I, they're still in my mind favourites to finish second bottom. After watching Bray last week, if someone finishes below Bray, they deserve to be around because the way Dave Mackie has been set up, Cal, it's it's almost like he's not making use of their biggest assets in McCabe and Ernie Green and even Rowan Cox and the open from Fitzmaurice. Like um, it gets them the ball and then make things happen, but they kind of sat in at and then they can just kind of hope to break on them, which is surprising because. I, think, I don't know if there's too much disparity between the levels of the two sides. Um, so in that sense, I think Limerick probably have one-up on Bray in the fact that they do actually come out um, and attack teams so they will pick up more points um, over the course of the year. But, uh, hectic, yeah. Tommy it's kind of, to a baptism of fire for him as well, given the fact that he's had to put the squad together um, so quickly. Like I said, he only really took the reins in, in the third week of January. Um, and so to get it all done for a mid-February stack is is quite something. A lot of experience has gone in there to a point, um, but Michael Sullivan, actually that's the thing about Limerick, you talk about Michael Sullivan in the sense that Limerick typically play one way under certain managers, like with Stuart Taylor, Limerick never passed the ball forward, it was just possession based football, um, I, I presume you've seen under the every manager Carl, so, Um it, When they came into Martin Russell, it was just refusing to, to play along, and then under Neil, it was far more direct. But the funny thing about Tommy is, I can't figure the managers, I can't figure his teams out because the opening day against LIGO they broke really effectively. Um, they didn't defend too deep; they defended quite early, but they were comfortable in the possession to break in numbers. They have a lot of pace for Pulisic. He's Daniel He's even young, and Coleman and stuff like um, He's quite nippy in space. So uh, then I was thinking, you know, they're going to up to the challenger second side. Then they sat in defensively against Bones at home, and they were, I think they were lucky to get a point despite conceding a ninety-minute equaliser. And uh, they went to dark We won't talk about that. Um, uh, honestly, it, it's hard to take him out, went against Bray on an awful pitch they shouldn't try and pass the ball on and somehow they managed to play with football um, uh, they, would, they probably deserve to get the winner overall but on the course of the game I think Bray were happy with a point and I think if someone comes and just determines that they're going to be happy with a point against a team that they're going to be challenging against in terms of late position they probably don't deserve to pick up anything uh, Michael Sullivan is now out with a let's get this right a broken Metacarpal I think in a singer. so I think he'll miss the Rovers game and he probably miss a couple of weeks after that so you're looking at like, the Conor or having Morrissey to start in front which changes the limit completely um, so if you're asking me what to expect from Limerick at this moment going based on the five games the team to this point I'm the clue because
1: they change so frequently I know you weren't happy when you asked for my prediction table and I put uh, Limerick at the bottom but nearly 6 points from 6 from the first two and you had that heavy defeat away to Dundalk. Sorry for bringing that up again. And uh, Derry on Monday night. But fair play to the fans for standing in the snow and no, that uncovered terrace in Dundalk. And uh, some of them arrested for throwing snowballs at linesman as well.
5: Well, I, I think given the situation they were in, Kyle, if, if you were covered or a, a, a lack of cover you know, in that corner of Oriopi and you were losing seven or eight, and you'd probably hit the nearest person with the snowball as well. So I think that's fair is it.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think so. But uh, last year's squad had a lot of uh, international flavour. Your top scorers were the Brazilian Tosi, Nigerian Ogbene. He went to Brentford. There was already the Frenchman, a uh, very good player. He went to Waterford. And uh, Freddie Hall, your Bermudian keeper, has just left as well to escape the cold. That's your theory, isn't it? Well, I, I presume it is. That and
5: the fact that he was never going to start to ahead of Guy McClark again, based on his exploits, but. Um I mean look, it was you sitting Limerick when you're from Bermuda to to be a sub goalkeeper? Probably not. I mean I don't know you personally, Carol, but I don't think you're from Bermuda yourself. Um so I'm not gonna look for insight there. But now uh, losing losing the flair probably makes Limerick less attractive for crowds in the sense that it's maybe harder to market. But the probably from a PR sense, Limerick is a nightmare this year. Although they've had they have seven points for fifteen, which isn't Terrible by any stretch. Um, You're also looking at the fact that the whole difference after five games is minus 11, uh, which is bizarre. And I think, in a sense, if Limerick had three points out of 15 and they hadn't been handled twice away from home, it's probably easier to entice people to go to home games, which, in my mind, makes no sense, but you can understand it from a wider sporting perspective in Limerick where there's alternatives they might not want to go and much as I think could theoretically lose a 4 nil at any stage of any game of the season or so it appears anyway. Um, the funny thing about Derry last night as we were recording um, was that the first uh, hour I watched this on some you know those track champ streams that are just you know they probably could be an alternative game and you wouldn't really know. Um, I watched that and they played as well as they played all season in, in the first hour of that game. They were lucky to go behind to that Unbelievable, going the hand goal, but he'll probably be open by time. <laughs> well, hopefully, it'll be up by the time it um, goes there. But um, they genuinely probably deserve something from the first hour, and then just the capitulation would make you question the mental strength of it because Liverpool don't look like a side that are set up to come back from going a goal behind. And I think first goal, Tommy might have touched on it recently, uh, the first goals in games are so key for them because you're looking at a side who are much better when they're in space and if you don't go go behind teams is open against you so um, I'm interested to see how the Rovers dynamic works when they come to the market field I think Gary Shaw would be a far big asset um, given the surface and you could probably hit him with Diags and then play off from at the likes of Neely uh, I don't really I don't really know what Wendell Michael approach it. I presume they'll sit in because we're over in the play but I um, it's just one of those where they're either going to lose 5-0 and they're going to win 2-1. It's, it's just such a weird year. And normally, I'd have more insight than this, to be honest with you, but the way it's going, I don't think anyone can particularly make it the minute. Um, there's awful PRs around the pitch at the moment. There's been editorials written about it. There's been this, that, and the other on social media about it. Uh, the people that um, maintain the ground are probably not too happy with some of the press it's getting. Uh, so it's a hard product to sell at the moment even though like you'll agree they're probably achieving more than anyone thought they would at this point um, a lot of games coming up in a row um, it's not great 18 quid into the game as well if you uh, if you want to go into the stand as a home fan I think uh, if you don't pre-book your tickets which is I mean given the <laughs> you're coming off the back of uh, two games one where you've lost one of the dirty again presumably a loss against Clark, it's not the most attractive package
1: uh, Billy Denny, uh former Rover's winger, he's with you now, of course. But one of your, your new signs that caught my eye was uh, a Dutchman, Barry, Barry Maguire, because his dad is Irish, so he always wanted to play for us. But he's 28 now, that ship has sailed, and this is his first spell outside of Holland. Yeah, Barry, it was an interesting one. Like,
5: I kind of got wind that he was training with him like three or four weeks ago. and I kind of had to double-check, because you know that name. Really. I mean, I was probably... Too young when he started off here in Ireland in 2005, 2005 2006. I would have only been 13, or 14. Um, but he's just one of those football manager players in about And then the controversy later on about um, time for Ireland or the Netherlands, I remember it quite well. But obviously, you just you kind of lose track of players when they go off the radar for three or four years, such as the nature of it, especially when they're not involved in international clubs anymore. And when someone said it to me in name, I'm just kind of thinking. Be the same fellow that I remember. Um, that was bagging me a hat trick from uh, attacking field position for point manager, but lo and behold, it was. Um, so it's been strange um, acquisition. I've yet to speak to Barry, so I don't know exactly the story behind I arriving on a limit. I mean, it's another low limit, but there's a holiday destination and so much further in Ukraine, I'm not so sure football wise. Uh, considering presumably based on his pedigree, he would have probably had the ticket league at least and uh, squad play. Um, he took a bit of a knock, I think, uh, in the debut against Bray. And I'm just trying to recall, was he on the bench last night in Derry? I'm not so sure. Um, but, you know, I think Limit probably needs to market it because people know him. And given the way that it's kind of the moment, it's where he kind of hoped that there's something positive to shout about. us. Um, Keen Coleman, Owen Weir actually came off injured against Derry last night. Um, obviously, with the time this goes out, we won't know if he'll feature against Cork. But um, if he's out trying to contain the attack that Rovers have in central areas, especially technical areas, it might be slightly more difficult if you've had to play Maguire and he's not fully fit. So you'd be kind of hoping that winning comes into that. The problem is, when you're going to set up to defend against most teams, as you'd imagine, especially the likes of Rovers and Dundalk. Or he's tried to defend against Dundalk. Um, It's unlikely that Maguire probably featuring it. You think Coleman and winning for the energy and the composure. So I'm trying to figure out just where Baddy Maguire, who obviously technically brilliant, um, presumably in the upper echelon the players, Palin in the league, if he's on the game, um, will figure because they don't really have that role for the 10. Shane Duggan is Shane playing it, but in games like this, he's effectively a 3rd the midfielder. So. Um, I think Buddy can contribute, it's just finding that niche for him to actually contribute might be difficult.
1: Uh, the recent form favours Rovers, four wins and a draw in the last five meetings. Yeah, the, the one I can recall from a
5: few years back, I think you remember it as well, As Shane Tracy had to go and go for a penalty. <laughs> and I yeah, think, was it. Yeah. Was it well, yeah, was it McGuinness who scored the header from the, from the rebound that Tracy saved the penalty?
1: Robbers missed two penalties that night and then we scored the rebound, yeah.
5: They, they did, yeah. That was one of the stranger games I've ever been in a chance. As Shane Tracy, you looked at that, probably the only player in the League of Olympics to ever scored, missed, and saved the penalty in the League of Olympics um, <coughs> season. Oh yeah, Shane is, um, I remember that. Like, in terms of recent form, like, I don't think Limerick have even gotten near overs in, um, in terms of games. The last time Limerick beat overs, I presume, was before one in Donald Park. I presume. Um, so, you're going back quite some time. It's the same thing with Derry the other night. There's certain games you go into, Limerick friends do anyway, that they're just not confident to go on to win. Like I said, they've won one of the last 16 league games against Derry, that was 2-1 Roy Gaffney scored up in the brand new level. um And they've conceded 29 times in those 16 games. Uh, the recent one against Rover has been much better. I presume if you extend it slightly, it gets slightly more favourable, but not even by that much. So, uh, no living fan, I they expect that they get them from the game. Uh, they're probably going to hold the the pitch a certain level, but I would be a bank on that, to be honest.
1: Uh, I remember Limerick treating the Robbers fans really well at Tom and Park a few years back and in terms of Marcus Field I enjoyed my trip last season that was a it was a Tuesday night do you think there's a decent relationship there between Limerick and Robbers?
5: Yeah I think so but uh, Pat Sullivan kind of goes out of his way to, to welcome away fans anyway um, I think to this point the two visitors we've uh, Bray and Bray and Bows and he's given um, some sort of token I don't know whether it's like a little little trophy type thing a little um, commemorative badge or something to support his, that have come over which is obviously ironic given that he banned most of his own fans <laughs> but uh, yeah they, he seems to do quite well and there? there's no real hassle I think at the market field especially I mean Tom and Mike was a privilege and a novelty for a lot of people because obviously you know you could have a drink and buy a half line there was one for away fans and then you could just enjoy kind of a wide open space and um, I could feel it's done quite well and there's been fairly good feedback so in terms of a relationship yeah, I don't think anything's particularly malicious there especially given the fact that Stephen Bradley played with Lubrick and gets on with Lubrick I and mean, his good friends people about Sullivan, and he knows not about it, um, from his time there so uh, yeah look I don't think I don't think anyone um, I don't think there'll be any nastiness about the game and the club certainly seem to have a working relationship was slightly better than <laughs> slightly better than the uh hostilities that were around the thousand and six and Hogan Park anyway.
1: Royal right, well, thanks for talking
0: to us Andrew and uh, enjoy WrestleMania. Oh,
5: I certainly will, Carol. Mind yourself.
0: A few a uh, few wrestling references there, prof.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to Eddie and our listeners as best I can <laughs> on this show.
0: If so. you didn't watch wrestling when you
1: were growing up, you yeah,
0: yeah. your childhood was missing something badly, man. Um
1: Yeah, so Tommy Barrett, as you said there, is is manager of Limerick now. Former hoop. He spent a season with us in two thousand seven.
0: Tommy Barrett, yeah. And not, you're not too uh, familiar with him now, to be honest.
1: So you heard me mention the Andrew there, one player I was intrigued by. Yeah, we signing. like we like these players, don't we? Yeah. The
0: Robert Cullen Japanese player and
1: yeah Barry Maguire, he played for Utrecht at a pretty good level for a few years I remember he actually scored in a 4-0 win over Celtic in the, the Europa League top Dutch league would he yeah and he was always eligible for Ireland so he constantly, his name would constantly be in the papers for a little while especially when he was doing well and uh, I remember someone sending a question to the RTE panel this would have been about seven and a half years ago and Liam Brady had just been assistant manager for two years under Trapatoni right so the question came in to him, and says, "Why Bill Barry Maguire? Could we give him a go? Because he just scored against Celtic." And Brady, Brady had never heard of him. It Sh- just it just goes to show that Trapp never looked beyond
0: England and Scotland. I mean, surely that's your job. And like, like we just said, Robert Cullen, he actually played at the top level of Japanese football. He played yeah. in Holland for a while as well. He played all over. And if you, it's actually quite interesting if you type in Irish. Japanese footballers there's quite a few a few <laughs> expats over there with f- sons who play football so it is pretty
1: cool as for the Limerick game the table is a bit peculiar at the moment because you've got Robbers past in Limerick are two opponents upcoming all level on points but our goal difference is 19 better than Limerick 19? yeah <laughs> wow
0: we have to bang a few past them we really do we would be really disappointed if we don't
1: and the uh, interesting stat about uh, Brandon Miele, because remember we were talking about this at the game, how he tends to score a lot of home goals. Yeah. Remember the first season, he actually knocked in a few against Limerick. Got yep. one in uh, Jepkin Park. Got one in Marcus Field. But if you look at his last 18 goals,
0: okay.
1: only two have been scored outside
0: Dublin. Two goals outside Dublin in the last 18 for Brandon Miele. So no. hopefully he can book that trend and improve on his away goal tally. So uh, with a big... Paddy's Day bumper chock a block Paddy's Day weekend coming up. I actually have a car, s- <laughs> I want to see the notes on the 1899 suite. I can't wait to talk about this. This is a this has really really excited me over the last couple of weeks. Just the whole 1899 suite revolution, as we as we can say. So, we're gonna start off, right? 1899 suite. So, you got two big screens, right? We've got I think screens all over the place now. So, there's one massive one, it's huge, it's got like, it's like six feet wide. Huge big screen up where our interviews are and the 1890 Sweet Match Day guests are always interviewed up there. Big screen. The centenary shield is on. So there's Republic of Ireland versus England starting at seven. So that's probably going to be on the screens. If not, we'll have some rovers related. That's why we we're looking for DVDs. We want some maybe anyone who has D V C DVDs, bring them along and start a thread in the Rovers chat. So we have like the likes of Rovers versus Juve, Slo- Rovers vs. Slogo Force Game talent, anything at all, bring them along and we'll we'll have them uh, stored away and we'll put them on for uh all your viewing pleasure, hopefully. So it depends what's on. We could have different screens left, right, and centre. And uh we have maybe some old rovers footage as well. So we still have malts and tree bottles for a tenner. And we have Chef Ramsay, Chef Raymond Ramsey, with his uh, curry and his burgers, or Ray Fieri. I'm not too sure, but I think Ray Ramsey has a bit of ring to
1: it. Yeah, curry this week, that's what everyone's looking forward to.
0: And from what I was told, he sold out food last week. So um, definitely people are enjoying the food. And uh, proper football grub.
3: You don't win friends with salad.
5: You don't win friends with salad. You, you don't, don't win, win friends, friends with salad. You don't win friends with salad. You don't win friends with salad.
0: And then onto the entertainment prof. We have trad and rebel tunes from six from the band Tara Hill to get you into the mood for Paddy's Day. So a few sing songs and uh, rebel tunes. And there will also be a member of the management team to speak after the game. And the car park gates, they'll be open. So you get to walk out. Of the stadium, but then you get to walk back in to the 1899 suite to listen to our management team and for more lovely, lovely points. And of course, um, you might even hear Duffer serenade the masses with a lovely rebel tune Oskuelga. He might loosen up and get on stage and have an L sing song. Are you going to ask him to do that? Because I'm sure, no. that, sure that would go well. Certainly not. I'm not able for that rejection. <laughs> and uh, another very important one, lads your bar passes. So my fellow hoops, you have to collect them in the ticket office. So this will give you access to the 1899 suite and there's a limited amount available. So go in with your season ticket or if you're a member and you haven't picked up your bar pass, go on in and I'm sure Richie or one of the lads will look after you and they'll give you your ticket so you can have access and drink lovely, lovely pints. And uh, so, I mean, think about it, why bother going somewhere else? I mean, Rovers fans, we, we have our own bar, Carl. We have our own fucking bar with live... Fucking music, big six foot screens, hot food, drinks deals. I mean, all we're missing is a bookies next door. That's that's <laughs> pretty much. Mo- I'd you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they got like an independent bookie in that you'd see at the grey at the greyhound races. I mean, it's crazy. Look at look at the match day experience. We we won it for a reason. Like it's 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 brilliant. So please get on down. Don't go, don't go at any of our booze And like six o'clock we open. I get in there, create an atmosphere, and listen. The money's all go back into the club. It's all going back into the club so it's oh, it's a win-win to be honest so Prof you'll be you you're quite fond of the Molson I'll be on the Guinness you're quite fond of Molson so oh, yeah. e- everybody it, it's everybody's uh, happy at the end of the day so that is our eighteen ninety nine package so definitely head in there and uh, have a couple of points sing a few songs
1: yeah so it's get in there get to the game get the kids their foamy hands
0: oh yeah I have to get one of them myself Jaden will be uh, he'll be all over that and the uh, and speaking of foamy hands, the junior hoops are uh, having a health and nutrition morning at Kickstart Fitness the 28th of March at half 11. So the kids are on their holliers for Easter and uh, Darren and Dylan will be putting them through their paces and telling them all how to eat healthy after us just talking about burgers and curries and pints. <laughs> but, um, and they also have a raffle and the tickets will be on sale at the Junior Hoops stand down at the East stand and in the 1899 suite at half time the draw will take place at the Sligo game on Good Friday it's a fiver each for the tickets and you can get five for 20 and they have some really nice prizes there they have some signed photos signed jersey excellent prizes and uh, all photos are by the wonderful George Kelly so check that out and go down and give the Junior Hoops your money for some tickets for the prizes and the raffle Right, so up next we have tips from the East End. Right, so uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a Rovers win. I think I'm, I'm happy enough with that. We're just gonna tip the Friday's games, right? So I'm gonna go with a Rovers win against Pats. I'm gonna go with a Qualon McAleer, first goal scorer against Balls. I think he's quite a player, and uh, I've been I've been enjoying him. And I'm gonna go for Dundalk Dog to lose their run of clean sheet and about to score for Dundalk and Waterford so Quaylon McAleer any time scorer, actually we'll throw in a treble uh, Quaylon McAleer anytime goal scorer, Rovers to win and about to score Dundalk and Waterford that's Gary P's tip of the week and um, we also had uh, Ray Wilson I asked him for a couple of tips for Cheltenham and he came back with the famous Jim McGrath with a fantastic tip So if you want to try For the Gold Cup on Friday Native River So we have some audio From Jim McGrath here And Ray Wilson From Cheltenham So we're going to roll that one out So I'm here with Jim McGrath The legendary Racing commentator
1: For the Tales from the East Stand Podcast And Jim's Selection for the Gold Cup On Friday is
5: Native River I think we're in for an epic running of the Gold Cup this year. I can just see it unfolding. I can see it becoming a test of stamina. And I think that Native River, written by Dickie Johnson, is going to give them a real run for their money. And I'm going to have mine on him.
0: Thanks, Jim. The Rovers fans will be screaming
1: from the terraces on Friday night if Native River gets home before the Big Pats match.
0: So that was Ray over there sinking points with all the boys lumping on all the horses having the crack I think he'll be home for the game as well so lads that's, it's, it seems like a decent enough tip I don't know anything about horses but Native River from Jim McGrath that's his tip for the week Thanks. so we definitely owe Pats one for this I think we'll spank them and I'm, I'm just dying to get one over on to be honest so make sure you get down to the east end get into 80 99 suite it's Paddy's Day weekend what more would you want to be doing Rovers points and three points as well so keep on hooping folks
1: see ya <laughs>